Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Sometimes it's as simple as saying, let's bring people together in a meetup and the conversations that are happening there. But obviously that can translate to all kinds of small things, projects and ideas and collaborations that just happen organically and really contribute to the success of the businesses. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 320 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Philippe Coulin. Phil is a startup community and ecosystem builder and partner at the agri-food tech venture capital firm Mandalay VC, where he invests in farm-to-fork innovation. Phil is also a partner at Innovation Architects, a boutique advisory firm specialising in venture building, innovation services, ecosystem development and investment. It's been a pleasure to work with Phil over the years in, in the Queensland startup ecosystem And it's great to be talking with you today, Phil. So thanks very much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Tom. So good to be here. It really is great. And I'm looking forward to hearing more of your insights as always today, Phil. So to kick us off, mate, would you like to share a bit about your background and what it was that led to your interest and passion in entrepreneurship? Yeah, thanks, Tom. I have been listening to your podcast as well. I can't believe it's 320 episodes in, which is pretty amazing. I do have to admit, I have definitely not listened to all of them. But happy to be here and to everyone who's listening. Really excited for you to be listening to these stories with Tom, someone who's so passionate as well to be creating, creating impact here in the local ecosystem. Myself, I'm originally from Belgium and I lived in Southeast Asia for seven years prior to moving to Australia. I do have a very confused accent, people (laughs) say, and really started my professional life abroad. I'm a bioinformatician by education, so quite a technical background that I've carried with me throughout the years, but I've never really worked as a scientist, really. And moved to Cambodia to work on a project that I was a small minority investor in, but which was quite a traditional business. It was a rice production and trading company invested in by Cambodian, Belgian and Dutch investors, including myself. I moved there, new environment, and set up the company over a period of four years, grew it into quite a healthy small business in the agriculture space. Also why I have this background now with the activities around the Agri-Food Tech Fund. When I was in Cambodia, I was very active within the local expat community as well. And I realized that a lot of us were business owners, managers, or founders of those businesses. And no one really had the vocabulary around that. We weren't calling ourselves that necessarily, but we had very similar needs in the sense that we were figuring out what we needed to do next, what tools we needed, what knowledge we needed, what people we needed, and so on. And realized that we all had similar questions and issues and things to talk about and started becoming 
really passionate about bringing these people together, which led me to starting my own co-working space in Simreap, Cambodia, back in 2013, providing a place for people to come, entrepreneurs, founders, innovators, business owners, to come and discuss and be part of different sessions and workshops. Yeah. The space it called the 1961 was amazing. It was a cross between a co-working space and a gallery. So we had that creative element going. One of my co-founders is an artist. And we always had this really cool and special vibe happening around the space. Regardless, one thing led to another. I started becoming more involved. Workshops grew into programs, just general community support grew into providing advisory services. And from there, that really became a bit of a launchpad for me into not only having a few of my own businesses, but also very much being active in building communities, then building ecosystems, and then providing services that support growing businesses and startups directly, mm. which then led me to the activities I've been doing in Australia since I've been here since 2016. I joined a company called Creative Enterprise Australia when I moved here, which was the prime innovation hub for innovation in the creative industries, which we called Creative Tech. We would do everything from education, even within curriculum with the Queensland University of Technology, to supporting founders to start based on an idea they have. We provide incubation services, offices for rent, co-working space, accelerator programs and investment into mm. those companies quite a broad set of activities yeah. and it was a big opportunity for me to really develop as a professional program manager program director within this space yeah. and to really continue to develop my community my ecosystem building skills and business support skills as well totally that's a long story but it's the nutshell and that's all i'm bringing to the table in this discussion as well yeah, absolutely. And look, there's such deep experience there from Cambodia. I know you haven't mentioned Airbnb and your involvement in building that in Cambodia as well, Phil. That organization had built such a strong reputation in the space. And you are now a founding partner at Innovation Architects. So tell us a little bit more about this organization, the purpose and the projects you've been involved in. Fantastic. Important first thing to say is innovation architects were ecosystem builders at heart. We're all incredibly passionate about this space and we bring a very diverse set of experiences and skills to the table. We've all been founders, entrepreneurs, investors, innovation facilitators and whatnot. And we truly believe in the force of entrepreneurship to create change. And I guess extrapolating from there businesses being the vehicles to really materialize on some of that change. Yeah. So that's really what we believe in. We also know as ecosystem builders, that it takes a village to support businesses to grow mm. and to be successful and to therefore create the impact that we're after creating. Yeah, We've built a business around this, which technically focuses on business growth advisor for businesses that consider themselves being innovation, innovative products or models. As innovation architects, we provide direct services to those companies, or we'll work with larger organizations, including governments, universities, private organizations, to interact with the startup ecosystem through program work. These entities or organizations are looking to catalyze innovation, either internally, but also externally, looking at innovating or investing in the future of their sector mm. by working together with younger, more dynamic, more innovative companies. That brings us to the world of running hubs and incubator programs, accelerator programs and whatnot. Yeah. So that's the nutshell on, um, on the company. 
it's been really exciting to see you just create such a great and broad array of support across the ecosystem. And it was great to collaborate just last year as well at the Unicenter, Griffith University's home-based program too. We'll jump into that a little bit later. But I know you've worked extensively with this large range of different entrepreneurs at different stages of development. So I'm keen to hear from you where you see some of the biggest opportunities in the ecosystem right now to better support these entrepreneurs in achieving strong mm. outcomes. Yes, such a, that's a good question, Tom. Probably two things come to mind initially when you ask me this. Mm. First of all, within the ecosystem and defining what the ecosystem is a challenge in itself, let's at this stage call it the community around businesses that is required to be there to enable the success of those businesses. From my perspective, within the ecosystem, we've lost touch with what sound business practice looks like. In a way, we focused so much on the innovation side of things that we actually have lots of young companies. And with young, I don't mean necessarily the age of the founders, young, yeah. dynamic, agile, and yeah. innovative companies that are really good at what they do on that side of the equation. And maybe not that experienced or not that focused on setting up a sound business to start. I think that's a huge gap. And it's one where we as innovation architects feel we have a role to play. We've played in the innovation space for quite a while, but can we actually go back to basics and say, we're building businesses here. What does sound governance look like? Who are the people around you that can help you enable? Can you think of having an advisory board can you, or other board structures? But also other things like, can we work with some of the skills that sit within the ecosystem that are also sometimes forgotten? What about, and this is probably an age thing, older business people that have built amazing careers over the years, they're probably from a different generation but they know people they can knock on doors they have tons of life experience they're bringing to the table as well can we actually get these people again more involved in supporting young dynamic agile and innovative businesses that's i think one of the big gaps that i'm seeing and we're mm. actively trying to play in that space the other thing that is always important and it's what i was saying before it's about that taking a village approach but also acknowledging that building a business it's not only about the internal context of the business, it's also about the business context outside of your entity, the complex world. And one of the things that is really important to me personally, and which I bring into the company, is a concept of boundary spanning. Can we be boundary spanners? Can we be people who operate within our own businesses, but actually also think of how we add value to other people's contexts, mm. other people's businesses? How do we help them and how do they help us? It's not quite your traditional stakeholder approach or partner approach. It's much more about the people themselves, yeah. the individuals within your business and other organizations and how they can get the opportunity to meet, collaborate perhaps on things that are not always in the direct context of a transaction. You know, mm. I think, Tom, I recognize a lot of your work as well. Sometimes it's as simple as saying, let's bring people together in a meetup and the conversations that are happening there can translate to all kinds of projects, ideas, and collaborations that just happen organically and really contribute to the success of the businesses. Absolutely. I think that's a core part of any decent, well-run program is that the culture right. element is just so vitally important. On that note, Phil, I said we've collaborated before. You've been a presenter and mentor on our Elevate Plus Accelerator programs a number of times, and we're about to open up for applications for our upcoming program for Southeast Queensland-based entrepreneurs. But with your experience, particularly in the social enterprise space, Phil, where have you seen patterns in the shortcomings of early-stage impact-led entrepreneurs 
And what advice would you give them as a result? Another great question, thanks. And we've done this in the last Elevate program with Homebase, yeah. with the Unicenter at Griffith University. We were both involved in that. And we did this session, which we call The Art of Start. And The Art of Start is actually named after the book by Guy Kawasaki, yeah. uh, which is one of the Bibles within Startup Land. It answers a simple but not straightforward question, which is, where do I start? I think that's a huge challenge in early stage businesses or projects, regardless of what they are. What we aim to do at that stage or at that level is providing focus, tools, and accountability to take your first steps. That's the first thing. You'll always have tons to do. So it's about focusing on one small thing you can do first, which is sometimes seemingly smaller than where you want to go, mm -hmm. but at least it's one step forward. Can we do that? Can we help you do that? Can we provide you the tools to think about that? And can we keep you accountable to take that first step? And then that second, and then that third. So yeah. the second thing that I would give as advice is your drive and your motivation really needs to be internal. Mm -hmm. We call this locus of control as well. And it's because we see so many problems around us all the time, see if I can say this correctly, but we tend to sometimes victimize ourselves a bit and not take full control of the opportunity to create change within a suboptimal situation. Really working with the founders directly on how do you continuously find the energy within yourself, continue to do this work it is really hard. But there's a huge personal element to working with businesses, actually. It's all around doing that. We'll talk a bit maybe about mental health if we have time. Mm. It links, obviously, to the overall health and well-being and therefore productivity yeah. and drive and so on of the founder as well. I guess the last thing we tend to focus on is saying we all know we want to do good, but we also need to think about the fact that we want to do good by doing good business. Yeah. It links back to this and business in the broadest sense of the word, regardless of what structure and business model you have. It can be a variety of different things, but ultimately it's the overall health of your business and your organization that is going to enable the impact that you're after. It's easy to get stuck in this situation of you constantly have to do good around you, but you also need to find the time to focus on building that good business or that yeah. good entity to get there. Easier said than done. I do recognize and acknowledge that, but that would be three things that I would take into any program that yeah. I would lead. We're all really great pointers, Phil. And you mentioned the mental health issue too. And it's a great one to bring up because I've seen burnout affect such a wide variety of people, particularly I think when they are these sort of purpose-led, purpose-driven entrepreneurs <laughs> who can sometimes place that importance over the economic feasibility of their projects or businesses. So what practical advice then would you give to other founders to help them stay on top of their mental health? Start with maybe a, a bit of a story. I've definitely had difficult periods in my life for a variety of reasons. I'm hyper aware of where I am at any moment in time from my energy levels to just my overall mental well-being, which I think is crucial. Taking the time to reflect on when you've experienced hardship, reflecting on how you went through that, what mm. were the things that, that allowed you to take that first step back into a better direction. But another thing, and this is actually quite recent, is very much around that management of energy, which before I never really thought about so much. But I was in a situation recently where I was working really hard, and I still am. I was pushing later and later and later at night. Yes. 11 o'clock becomes 12 o'clock because yeah. 1 o'clock, whatever it is. And I started realizing I was just continuously tired. Go to sleep late, get up early, and back into it. You're a father as well. And I'm a father as well. And Nalu is about close to three years now. I'll get to that. But 
so what I did is actually trying to change that around and saying, okay, I still want to do the same amount of work, but how about I go to sleep early because I am tired mm. and get up at 4.30 in the morning and do two hours of work before life even starts. Mm. That's working really well for me right now. But that being said, I put a lot of flexibility in my day as well, because I do want to see my son. I do want to have breakfast with him and I do want to have dinner with him. I want to be there. It really made me think the fact that you do need to change things from time to time. You do need to be in control of how you manage your energy and manage your time and that you can experiment with that. One of the things through Techstars, which is another global group I'm quite involved with, one of the founders there always says it's about work-life harmony as opposed to work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I guess I was never really sure about what that meant because balance was you have the separation between your work and your life whereas harmony was much more you need to find a way and a system that is going to work for you i think that is foundational in managing your own mental health well-being all really great points and you are someone whose rhythm and routine is certainly getting right up there in terms of the amount that you're putting in and the amount you're investing in your businesses whilst also being a parent as well so it's a huge challenge and some great reflections just about the awareness that one needs as well and where they're at phil let's talk about some inspiring projects or initiatives because I know you've come across many and working with many so which ones have you been involved with recently that are creating some great positive social change? Fantastic. I've already mentioned the Unis Centre at Griffith University with just a world-class team. They really are. Anything that is happening on that side I think is wonderful and would love to continue being involved with that as well. Another one that's an organization that I've been involved with since 2014 and has been a big part of my personal journey as well is Techstar Startup Weekend. Startup Weekend is what we call the entry point into entrepreneurship globally. It's actually a 54-hour hackathon event format, which is largely being open sourced by the organization and serves like two distinct purposes. The first one is for participants to come and really awaken their entrepreneurial senses. And again, entrepreneurial in the broadest sense of the meaning. Like, I want to do something. I have an idea. I want to create change. How do I do this? How do I connect with like-minded individuals to help me or to help me think about these things even and find a level of awakening, which is what I already said, and awareness around, I can actually do this, right? That's one side. The other side is it's used by community builders and ecosystem builders as a way to catalyze their networks, their communities within their own contexts. We see it as actually being used regionally here in Queensland quite a lot. A lot of places like Mackay, Townsville, Rockhampton, Sunshine Coast. This weekend, I did the very first startup weekend in the Moreton Bay region, which Mm. is obviously not too far from Brisbane, but it's quite distinct at the same time. It was used by community leaders there to build their own networks and to start to put together what we called the startup community or the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So it crosses over between innovation groups, investment groups, economic developments, departments within councils and various levels of governments. And then obviously the SME space and the startup space. It's quite a powerful thing I've been involved with and I've seen firsthand that transformation effect. I started the the podcast with saying, I didn't have the words. I didn't know what it meant to be a founder or an entrepreneur or Mm. a business owner or whatever it was. This was really what gave me the strength and the vocabulary and the understanding and the pathway to find out these things. So that for me is a big thing. I'm involved and there's lots of events happening. For anyone listening who's interested in taking first steps based on an idea, do check out Startup Weekend and you'll find there's plenty of events happening around. Mm. And chances are, if it's locally here, I'll be involved as well. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, there's look so many great initiatives and organizations, startups have been born out of those startup weekends. So certainly a, a great place to start. So to finish off, Phil, what books would you recommend to our listeners? 
I do have to admit, I don't read a lot anymore. I do listen to audiobooks, but I have come across recently actually a, a really good book that, in a way, brought together a lot of the learnings mm. and insights that I gathered over the years. It's a book called Strategic Doing. 10 Skills for Agile Leadership by oh. Ed Morrison, the names. First of all, it's 10 Skills for Agile Leadership, not for Agile Leaders. Mm. Really about leadership as a collective concept, yeah. as opposed to just a leader as one person, which is very powerful. And I think will resonate quite well as well on your side, Tom, when you're doing the hard work, really, <laughs> on the side of social change mm. and social entrepreneurship. The other part of the book is really about unlocking bigger system change by actually doing things that are actionable, practical, yeah. achievable. One of the issues, obviously, you and I see around us all the time is that creating system change is really hard when you're stuck at the systems discussion. And ultimately, we need to go out there on the ground and do things. It's really about how can people work together from various organizations, boundary spanners, again, as we could call them, to do seemingly small things, but that can actually be done as opposed to stay some future fantasy yes. or too big and complex of a project to ever be able to happen. That's what the book is about. And I thought that was really insightful to just see it black and white on paper and something I definitely recommend to everyone here. It sounds like a great read. So what we'll do is we'll stick a link in your article so that the listeners can click on through and take a look there too, Phil. So look, there's been some great insights here as always. So really appreciate your generous insights and time today, Phil. Thanks for that. And as always, I look forward to continuing to collaborate and watch your journey moving forward. Thanks, Tom. And, and same, I'll be involved in the upcoming Elevate Plus programs for sure. It'll be great to have you there. We'll catch you soon. Thanks, Tom. See you soon. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.